0: Welcome to the latest edition of the Tez Podagogy podcast. I'm Zofia Neumtis, the Deputy Features Editor here at Tez, and with me today is Dr Catherine Dillnott. She is an accounting lecturer at Oxford Brookes University, and she's working on access and progress in higher education and the professions. She completed her doctorate at the UCL Institute of Education, where she studied the relationship between A-level subject choices and the league table score of the university attended. And that is what we are here to talk about today. Hello, Catherine. Hello. Um, so. I guess let's jump straight in. There's around 70 A-levels that are available now, uh, which is a huge amount of choice for 15, 16-year-olds to make. Um, And how important are those choices in terms of the university that they will eventually end up going to, according to your research?
1: Well, the answer is that they're important, but I... Perhaps I'm undermining my whole sort of field of research by saying right at the outset they're not as important as prior attainment. Mm-hmm. So what seems to matter most of all is how students have done in their GCSEs. Uh-huh. But how students have done in their GCSEs Um, and perhaps we'll talk a bit more about drivers of choice later, does make a huge difference to what choices they make at A-level as well. So I'd start having said that caveat about prior attainment. Yes, they're important, and I think they're important in two ways. The first way is perhaps the obvious one, that some universities require particular subjects at A-level, and if you haven't got them, then you can't go. Now, it was argued um, a few years ago um, that... Perhaps the reason why students from less privileged backgrounds weren't getting into the um, higher status, most prestigiously perceived universities was because they didn't have the right subjects in their applications. There's not a lot of evidence that people apply with the wrong subjects. I think students, you know, pupils do their homework and their, their advisors do their homework and they do apply with the right subjects. What might have happened, though, that we can't observe is that they've actually changed their minds about what they can apply for, what the sort of university they can apply to, because they've realised partway into their sick form studies that they haven't got the right subjects. Um, so that's one way um, that it makes a difference, sort of obvious difference. Another one is that um, it's perhaps a, uh, perhaps a sort of a silent way that it might make a difference, which is that although um, universities might sort of might say that or not specify required subjects it might be that actually they do prefer students to have particular subjects Mm -hmm. applying for degree courses that don't have um, particular entry requirements Um, and there are lots of really popular degree subjects that don't have such requirements. Business would be a a classic case um, where very very few um, universities would actually stipulate particular A-levels. The one or two that do would probably say maths rather than business and that's quite difficult for a a student you know at age 15, 16 choosing their A-levels to know really. Um, There's evidence from the work that I've done that that the Subjects that have become known as facilitating, that we'll talk a bit more about in a moment, are associated with doing, uh, being at a higher ranked university, even if you're doing a subject that actually doesn't require them. Um, And the converse is also true. Um, I've I've done a sort of taxonomy of A-levels that shows that some A-levels that um, some Russell Group universities have expressed um, potential dissatisfaction with, or Mm -hmm. some, actually are associated with being at a lower-ranked university on average, um, even though you have to search quite hard on various websites, actually, to establish mm-hmm. which those might be. Uh, so I think it, I think they are important, um, although of secondary importance to actually your grades, and oh, how well you've done at GCSE, yeah.
0: Sure. Okay, so we touched there on the facilitating subjects. Let's jump into that. So I understand, technically, the facilitating subjects are not a thing according <laughs> to the Russell Group and yet uh, for other measurements they still very much are a thing.
1: Yeah I think that's right. So so in um, 2011 the Russell Group um, uh, produced a, a sort of paper pamphlet and a PDF of it called Informed Choices mm-hmm. um, which amongst other things listed a group of subjects, we perhaps call them traditional A-level subjects, mm-hmm. Um, STEM, modern languages, humanities, that they said um, were helpful in keeping your options open in getting into Russell Group universities, so they're the now 24 research-intensive universities. They're just a sort of club, really. Yeah. Are, <laughs> but there we are. Um, and um, these facilitating subjects, the argument went that um, the more of those you had, and they suggested that students might have two, particularly if they don't know what they want to do at university, they're making their choices, it keeps the largest number of Russell Group degree courses open to them, mm-hmm. if they have some of those subjects. Um, and the coalition government sort of somewhat... Um, jumped on the bandwagon, that's perhaps a bit unkind, but they they, they realised that there were differences by types of school and by students of different social backgrounds in the numbers of students doing these subjects, and that they thought perhaps um, in order to try and reduce some of the gaps that we do see in higher, edu- higher education participation, that um, that it would be good to encourage um, students via their schools, um, and so they were um, having two A's and a B, and at least two facilitating subjects was set up as a performance measure for schools, which has had that sort of intent- incentive effect for schools.
0: Yeah, um, we were saying before we started recording, uh, just I was it really made me reflect on my own. Uh, so I didn't get any advice about which A level subjects to take, and so as a result, just picked the things I liked the most. Yeah. So I did English, which was facilitating. But nothing else I did was a facility. I did film studies, which I've had a lot of stick for, philosophy and sociology. And, uh, yeah, I, I still got into a Russell Group, but now I'm wondering how close I came and how much my prior attainment had to do with that. Um, so, yeah, so, uh, so schools are giving young people advice on these
1: subjects. They are. Um, and, in fact, the Russell Group is now changing the way that it gives this advice. So, as you suggested, the Russell Group has sort of rode back from being quite so prescriptive and has a more nuanced approach Um, and there's now I would recommend I think it's a really good website now that they have where rather than a pdf it's interactive and you can click a button that says whether you know what you want to do or a button that says you don't know what you want to do but you want to keep your options open Um, and then it it gives you slightly more general and as I say more nuanced advice on on what you might want to choose so I think I think that's really helpful Um, and of course it doesn't you know, of course, if you don't do three facilitating subjects, um, it's not going to change your life necessarily. Yeah. But but it particularly if you don't really know what you want to do, then it can keep your options open, yeah. which can be a helpful thing, I think. Okay, and then looking at specific A levels, yeah. Um,
0: maybe if we start off with maths, which yes. seems to be the golden ticket. <laughs> uh, what did you find about maths A levels? So
1: um, so interesting. I, so I looked. What I looked at was whether students. Um, with more facilitating subjects, were on average at higher ranked mm-hmm. um, universities, even taking into account their prior attainment and the subject that they were doing. Um, and therefore, you know, so even within people that, that were doing subjects um, like business, which didn't have a um, didn't have particular prerequisites or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I found that whilst facilitating subjects were all helpful on average, maths was extra facilitating. Right. Um, so. It, you know, you could be if you had to say three extra rather than no facilitating subjects. On average, you'd be at a university. I don't know if I can give examples. Say Bristol rather than Leicester, mm-hmm. or say Oxford Brooks rather than Gloucestershire, at, um, at the uh, at, on the league table rankings uh, that, that were ruling just a, um, a few years ago. Um, with maths, you'd go up a little bit further up the rankings, even. You know, if, if one of those facilitating subjects was maths, and that's even true, you know, for I just uh, for humanities students, for example, or for for law students, um, you know, it it seems to make a big difference. I shouldn't exaggerate. It makes a difference mm-hmm. even for students doing arts and humanities, um, and certainly social sciences.
0: That's so interesting. Yeah. That maths is just. Yeah.
1: I mean, saying that I didn't take A-level maths, and I don't think I'd want to. <laughs> well, now, no, but... well, I, and the interesting question is. This is to do with, you know, this what I'm what I was looking at is where people end up at university. Well, that's a mixture of an application and an admissions decision. Because mm-hmm. um, I'm not using UCAS data. I'm using uh, this was all looking at Link National Pupil Database right. and HESA data, universities data. So who ends up doing what university course? So there could be something about people with maths A level that makes them more aspirational about where they want to go to university. So it could be the application decision that's driving that, or it could be that admissions tutors look at someone with maths and they're sort of thinking oh yeah well that's quite impressive Mm. um maybe it's that who knows it's probably some sort of combination of the two I would guess um but you know if so I suppose if yeah if you're a young person and you sort and you think you like maths a bit then I you know I'd encourage you to do it yeah Yeah. um and
0: then the kind of flip choice of that are these vocational a-levels so you referenced accounting business and
1: law in your research. And You have some really interesting findings there. Could you talk us through those? Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, so I'm my background's in accounting, so I was particularly interested in students that c- come into these sort of business-related uh, degree disciplines and then want a career in those disciplines, uh, in those areas, um, and have chosen the related A-level subject. So for accounting, business, and law um, at university, very, very rarely, if ever, I don't think I've ever found it. Do the universities ask for the related A-level? Right. Although the A level does exist in each of those. And students from less privileged backgrounds tend to do those, particularly in law and accounting. It makes yeah. a huge amount of, like if you are a kid who knows you want to be a lawyer, it feels like a really obvious choice. It feels just really sensible, doesn't, doesn't it? But it yeah. turns out to be, particularly for law, it turns out to be really counterintuitive. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, whatever, my, my um, findings were that whatever you swapped law for, whether it was for another facilitating subject or just for any A level, you were, on average, at a lower-ranking university than if you had done the, the other A-level. Um, there was, for business, it was a bit less clear. If you swapped business for a facilitating A-level, on average, uh, you were at a lower-ranking university than if you'd done that other facilitating A-level. Right. Um, I suspect that was a bit driven by maths. Mm-hmm. Um, and for accounting, in fact, not very many people do accounting A-levels. Right. So although the the, the Relationship was in the way that I would have expected. It wasn't actually what we would call statistically significant, mm-hmm. um, and the biggest one of those, of those three, was law. And that, in a way, is part of the problem with all of this because there are really different relationships with the related A level across these three subjects that mm-hmm. I've just looked at. And if I've done, if I'd been able to do all seventy, mm-hmm. you know, um, well, there aren't seventy that uh, wouldn't ever be required, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, then I suspect they would have it they would have been really, really different outcomes for lots of them. And that's really difficult for both students and those that are advising them, age 15 and 16, to say, you know, well, we don't really know. And what, what we don't know, that that's all about entry to university. What we then don't know is whether this is actually based on real... Um, what we're seeing is admissions tutors saying, well, I know that students with law degrees... Don't get with sorry law A level. Don't get on so well with a law degree, and that's why I'm not going to. I, I'd rather have somebody without, mm. or I'd rather have somebody with somebody instead. Somebody who'd done history or maths, for example. Um, so work that the, the Nuffield Foundation is funding um, a, uh, some colleagues at UCL and me to do at the moment is actually to look at. Um, all sorts of A-levels, but particularly those where there's a related A-level but it's not usually required for the degree course, to see whether it actually makes a difference, not just to getting into university, but to getting on. So mm. does it do more students with law A-level, drop out of law degrees? Do fewer of them get first and 2-1, and two ones than um, students entering with other subjects? So we need the other half of the story, really. Yeah. It's not just the getting in, it's the getting on. Um, and, and we're in the middle of looking at that now. I mean, it just it just raises the question of what those A levels are for, then. Yes, it it does, it does. Um, yeah, and I'm not sure how I answer that really. I mean, so I think they they are the idea behind A levels, the whole academic cohort. I think is that it is good, it is preparation for higher education, and some subjects may be better preparation than others, but we don't know. Um, there's some qualitative work that I've read on law, for example, which has said um, law tutors saying things like students entering with law A-level have perhaps, um, they tend to use their A-level textbooks, they have a, a perhaps not quite the nuanced view of what studying law is that we expect them um, to have at university. Um, and I've talked to people in different subjects who, this, who say the same sort of thing, but that's just anecdotal and... Um, I think there's a lot more to find out about Absolutely. it, really.
0: Yeah, it always feels like the the boards and the admissions tutors really need to have a conversation. <laughs> yes,
1: yes. No, I think that's right. And yeah, I mean, I, I think um, with work and some of those conversations did happen um, when A levels were reformed, mm. um, but I suspect there are all sorts of complicated reasons why particular A levels carry on in the way they are, probably. Sure. <laughs>
0: Um, and I know so you were looking at A-levels in particular yeah, yeah. did you have any findings around other vocational sort of BTECs? Or? Yeah so I think
1: that's really interesting um, so the number of students entering higher education with um, BTECs the proportion of the cohort doubled in 10 years to 2017 wow. um, from a pretty low base um, whereas it, it's it's now about I think 6 or 7% of the cohort, um, whereas A-levels it's about 20% and has stayed moderately constant over those 10 years of the 18-year-old cohort. Mm-hmm. Um, students with BTECs um, entering university has been a really good thing for widening participation, mm-hmm. um, but it is does also certainly seem to be the case that university outcomes for them seem to be, on average, not as good. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I was just looking at the... Um, the Higher Education Statistics Agency data on on um, students dropping out, and it's um, only about four percent of students with around about three Cs I think at A level that would drop out after their first year. But it's about twelve percent of students entering with BTECs, and it's about six percent across absolutely everybody, six mm-hmm. or seven percent. So there are there do seem to be worse outcomes, and again, part of this Nuffield funded project is looking at why that might be. Um, and I've just started my work looking at that, and it it looks as like as though it is to do with the academic preparation, mm. um, and it seems these this these dropout chances seem to be worse for um, students with BTECs at Russell Group universities, right. and that could be to do with things like assessment methods. So if a high proportion of of um university assessments are examined rather than coursework for example then that is perhaps an explanation for why students who've come from a more broadly um coursework assessed yeah. route um of course BTECs themselves are, are mid-reform hmm. um and so it and uh, I th- it'll be interesting to see how, how how that all works through so it it's a really interesting area to be doing research in but it is also absolutely hitting a moving target yeah, yeah. <laughs> every, everything's changing all the time <laughs>
0: we touched on this a little bit before, um, but what are the main kind of drivers of these subject choices
1: for young people? Well, so there are lots of things that I can't measure. Okay. Um, so individual differences, just what people like, what, what people, you know, people say, oh, I've always loved maths and I really, really don't like English Lit, um, and vice versa. Um, but there are some things that we can measure through the data that do seem, that, um, do seem to... Uh, give us some clues about what's driving it. There are big gaps by social background, right? Um, but it turns out, uh, um, through some work I've done on this and, and others too, that actually those gaps are pretty much uh, obliterated if you take into account people's prior attainment and the sorts of things that they did between the ages of fourteen and sixteen. So the more traditional sorts of GCSEs you did mm-hmm. and the higher your results in GCSE, the more likely you are to do facilitating subjects right. at A-level. And that pretty much wipes out the gap between the top and the bottom of the um, social distribution. Yeah. So it's not that a, a, a less privileged student will arrive in the sit form with a good set of A-levels and having done lots of traditional GCSEs and decide not to do facilitating A-levels. That doesn't... Right. That doesn't seem to be what's going on. Um, but the, the problem there is, of course, that students from less privileged backgrounds are less likely to have good GCSEs sure. and they're more likely to have to have di- sort of non-traditional type qualifications mm-hmm. at, at um, Key Stage 4. Um, it's also the case that what's offered to them makes a difference. So clearly, it, it, you know, some schools make... And types of schools, types of college may have very, very different choice sets available to students, Mm -hmm. and that makes a big difference. And it makes a big difference by social background because students are sorted into different sorts of schools, as we know. Um, So, um, for example, um, I don't know, um, students in the perhaps at schools with the bottom fifth of of, um, mean. uh, social background measures compared with the top fifth are likely to have be, they're only about half the proportion of the, those schools offer further maths than those that right. are top half, that sort of thing. Many fewer offer modern languages. Um, FE colleges are very likely to offer law and um, sociology. Independent schools basically don't. Mm. You know there are there are there are just huge huge really really quite big differences um, by subject in what's offered. To different sorts of students and by different types of of schools. So that clearly makes a difference. It doesn't seem to make a difference differentially by by your own social background once you get there. Mm -hmm. So a a privileged student arriving at a particular place with a particular choice set will make the same with the same prior attainment, will make the same sorts of choices as a less privileged student. But it's just that the less privileged student is more likely to be going to a different place. A different place where they won't be offered. And the more, the more you're offered of non-facilitating subjects, the more of them you'll choose. Mm-hmm. Yeah? And that there seems to be a particular issue with students switching schools at age 16, so going to six form or FE college, mm-hmm. where presumably they might have chosen to go to that school or college because there's a wider choice. Yeah. But that wider choice is probably on average going to result in them doing fewer facilitating subjects. Um, and that may not be optimal for that student it might it might be great and exactly what they want and they can go and do something they really love and that's lovely but it might be that if somebody had known that their aspiration was actually to go on and do I don't know economics at a high-ranking university someone might just have said you know what it might be a really good idea to do maths and you just and you know I I haven't worked in FE, and I don't know how it, how easy it would be to get to know students early on. But I imagine when you're changing school or college, it's actually quite difficult to get to really know a lot about a young person in the time it would take to be choosing, you know, yeah, to be choosing something. So um, yeah, so certainly from the data, it looks as though changing school at 16 is associated with choosing fewer of these facilitating subjects are more of the sorts of subjects that some Russell Group universities say they're not so keen on. That's so
0: interesting. Yeah. Okay, and so we've, we've touched a little bit on this, but in terms of making, I don't want to say bad, but less facilitating subject choices, yeah. so looking at my yeah. clutch of philosophy and sociology, yeah. Yeah. how far um, can sort of those subject choices be corrected in terms of having access to those Russell Group
1: universities? So so I guess if you've done if if you've chosen if you've got you know if your prioritament is good mm. and you're applying for subjects which don't require particular facilitating subjects, mm. then I think you're fine you know yeah. that should be absolutely fine. I think there are ways now of course where you can change later for some of these subjects, so I'm thinking of. Uh, an example like graduate entry medicine where you know you might have not done perhaps you didn't do chemistry or something so you couldn't get in to do medicine you've done something else and then you do graduate entry medicine afterwards to try and correct that well that's great but it takes longer it's more expensive it's you know that that seems to me to be not it would have been better if you knew you wanted to do medicine. It would have been better to have done chemistry in the first place. Yeah. Um, so I think that it can be corrected, but I think in terms in in for some things in term uh, at a cost of some sort of time and money. Right. Um, I guess I'm not aware of academic work done on that particular issue, and I think it would be really interesting to look mm-hmm. at more. Um, yeah, yeah. This,
0: I mean, this is again what we were saying before we recorded how it's amazing that we haven't looked at this before because it's such a yeah. massive. Thing for these young people mm-hmm. and I guess that's the the next thing to touch on really like how how much pressure I guess that's putting on young people to have that idea of what you want to do even in year nine perhaps, yeah. like when you're making your cho-
1: your initial a- choices a- absolutely and and honestly it seems to me it's even earlier than that because now that a lot of schools are doing sort of three-year GCSE courses mm-hmm. um it, it looks as though you know choosing choosing maybe triple science and that sort of thing early on makes a difference as far mm. as feeling comfortable to choose A levels in separate sciences or whatever it is, um, and you may be having to make those choices like year eight now, um, and that's really really young because we do and we do specialise abnormally young yeah. it, it, in in England which is where you know mm. uh, where where this research is based, um, so. Um, yeah I think it is I think it is really hard I think i I do think there there is some good advice out there online mm-hmm. I do I, I'm plugging them they'll be terribly happy with me in Russell <laughs> group but um, but the online but this online resource for keep about keeping our options open yeah. I think is is really useful um, so I, I think that's a sort of a, a, a takeaway for people thinking about it um, yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean that was what we were going to come on to next. Just Mm. kind of ideas that that teachers can
1: take away in terms of conversations they're having with students. Sure. Um, So I do. I think encourage them to go on this website early and uh, and other advice, you know, other advice websites around around the place for keeping options open. I do think they. Um, if you've got a student with a spark of interest in maths, <laughs> fan it, fan the spark, I know I, I, am, sure. a I <laughs> am a bit biased, I am a bit biased, you know I did two maths A levels and physics and so that sort of thing but you know, yeah, the numbers back you up,
0: <laughs> like, the, uh, number,
1: the numbers oh. do back me up, thank you, um, yeah they do and uh, again we were talking just before we started recording though about this, this business of the trade-off between mm. subjects and grades and that's another area that I, I'm not aware of, of Work in, but it would be, or we, I've done a little bit of work with Vicky Bolivar in looking at law and medicine uh, when we've looked at this a bit, um, the trade off between subjects and grades. But you know, is it better for a student to have, um, a B in maths rather than say an A in something else? Yeah. You, get, you know, and um, and we don't really for a, for a, doing a subject where maths isn't required, for example. If otherwise they've got to, you know, suck it up, get do the maths yeah. um, if that's what they want to do um, so I, I think that's really difficult I think it's quite difficult in the context of just thinking a bit more about other work I do on access to the professions where we still have quite a lot of employers um, for their graduate entry schemes asking for say three B's at A level wow. um, and they don't require a particular subject okay. um, and so you know you could argue that that's really quite important now that that's changing a bit I think that that whole going right back to a level um for, for graduate training schemes but it does still exist in some areas um so yeah i i think that's i think that's quite a, a hard one mm. um but it you know it is maths is. Does seem to be <laughs> particularly <maths>. helpful yeah. <laughs> particularly helpful um yeah but i think for people that are advising students um who are perhaps just moving into fe college and sit form college mm-hmm. i think that's Perhaps particularly tricky because all of a sudden the world is their oyster. Particularly at, at, at sixth form College, which tend to have you know very very broad choices because they're because they're big, they can they can support doing a lot of different A levels, um, which is great and lovely, and it's lovely for people to um, to do things that they're enthusiastic enthusiastic about. But they need to make sure that they've done the other stuff that would actually help. You know, if you re- if you're there and you're really really loving economics for example then make sure you do some maths as well yeah i say um yeah I think I think that's that's probably all I can think of okay thank you and <clears throat> yeah I'm just thinking
0: now of all the kids going to FE colleges being like so excited about their well like my film studies a level yeah but that was exactly it yeah I think I just got this menu and I was like oh I love film and philosophy yeah but that was fine mm. you know and that was absolutely fine wasn't it I, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I wish I'd done maths now. But, um, yeah, that's really, really interesting. Okay, and anything else for, for leaders um, or teachers to take away?
1: I think, well, probably I'm going to come back to say prior attainment mm-hmm. um, after everything else, that actually, that, or. or or attainment at school that is that does seem to be what really matters but but encouraging students to make aspirational applications as well that you know there does seem to be evidence not so much just on the uh, on the subject choice work but in other areas that students from less privileged backgrounds aren't making quite such aspirational applications to universities I, I think my work slightly suggests that girls aren't making such aspirational That's interesting. Um, applications as boys I, just a suggestion of that i haven't looked at that in detail um so yeah go for it <laughs>
0: <take that>. okay <laughs> thank <take> you <laughs> <laughs> thank you ever so much Catherine. Um, and hopefully we'll speak to you again when you've completed your research thank and you thanks very much